What's up, guys? Welcome back to a special discussion episode of the Popular Journal. I'm your host, Jarrell, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about remakes and why they're so abundant in the entertainment industry. We know the main reason is money, but I want to look deeper into the topic and find if there are other reasons as to why this is such an issue in the first place. If this is your first time here on the Popular Journal, we took a look at the odd and interesting landscape of pop culture with an analytic perspective. On this podcast, I want to take a step back and dive into all the media that I consume on a daily basis with a critical lens and learn why things are the way they are, while also sparking interesting conversations with you. I post new episodes every other Tuesday bi-weekly wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to come back every other week because we're always having fun conversations here on the Popular Journal. Guys, a very interesting episode of the podcast today. With films like The Little Mermaid recently releasing and you know, like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out in the future and Transformers came out recently. I wanted to dive into the world of remakes and re-releases. This is not going to be a particularly very long episode, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. Now, before we begin, I just wanted to say a couple of disclaimers. I'm not going to be talking about the quality of these films, more so their existence and abundance as a whole. So I'm not really looking at these properties from a critical view, more so a view of intrigue. Um, Second, I am aware that this topic has been talked about in great length, numerous times by countless other content creators. There are tons of YouTube videos and essays on this topic, but I wanted to come at this topic from a different perspective. And I'm looking into, again, the existence of these properties and what it means for the entertainment industry as a whole. Now that we got that out of the way, let's just dive right into it. So we're all aware of the abundance of remakes, reboots, and sequels that permeate the pop culture landscape and entertainment industry as a whole. Again, with The Little Mermaid recently releasing in films like Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out this year, and we also got, you know, Across the Spider-Verse recently, it illustrates a certain picture that I've noticed Um, that being established IPs and how they sort of outnumber original properties. This has caused a ton of discourse on the internet and even in real life too about the reliance on remakes and familiar brands and franchises. And it it presents me personally with a cognitive dissonance. Um, I love it when my favorite franchises get new releases like Spider-Man or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I also agree with, you know, the overabundance and oversaturations of relying on already established brands that are adored by millions of people around the world and have been out for many, many years, many, many decades. Um, But it can be exciting to see a completely new idea on the big screen or even on television. But at the same time, sometimes those original stories don't succeed all the time. Sometimes they end up flopping at the box office or they don't get a lot of ratings on television. And that unfortunately ends up sending a message to the people who work on films. You know, why would you waste time making a completely original story if it just ends up failing, but the established IP makes you tons of money? That's sort of the message I'm afraid that gets sent to these studios and companies. Maybe, who knows? But there are times when the original story doesn't meet quite the level of success as say a Marvel film, for example, Now, that's not to say that every single original story flops, but it does happen sometimes. And I'm more so interested in what the general viewer prefers over the other. 
Um, again, it's exciting to see the latest installment in your favorite franchise, but it's exciting to see a story we haven't really seen much of before, too. Again, I understand that this conversation has been talked about, like, this is such a, like, the conversation alone is, like, oversaturated. You know, there are so many videos and articles and um, opinion pieces and stuff like that all over the internet that you can find about this topic. But I want to take a different approach when it comes to remakes because I know the main thing that um, the reason why remakes are, you know, so abundant, not even just in today's age, but this has been going on for, you know, decades. I We, we all know it's money, but I want to know, I think the reason, I think the main reason is because it's safe and it's not... It's hard to fail when it's a an established property that has, you know, millions of fans and is already, you know, familiar and, lo- and loved and adored by, again, millions of people. So it's sort of like a safe bet, even if the movie is not very good. Um, but, you know, we all love to see original ideas and original scripts. But, you know, in a perfect world... Most studios um, are going to go with, you know, the established IP. Because, again, it's a safe bet. Um, We know who, you know, Luke Skywalker is. Um, It's much more easier to make a plot about, you know, Spider-Man than it is to make up a completely new and original character that no one has never seen or heard of. but it, it doesn't even have to be reboots or remakes or sequels. It can be um, properties, you know, like, you know, Barbie's coming out. That's an established IP. Um, I guess Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sort of counts as a remake because it's like a franchise. It has various movies, uh, live action, animated, all that. Um so those are sort of like established IPs. I'm trying to think of a movie that's coming out soon that is like completely original. I'm sure there is. I can't think of one off the top of my head. There are some movies where I thought it was an original IP, but then I did research on it and I found that it's a remake of something from like years ago, which is, again, like so crazy. But... I guess it's um, really interesting because we know it's money and it's a safe bet, but I think it's very weird. We live in a kind of cognitive dissonance when it comes to this uh, topic because I I get really excited, you know, when I see like a new team and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie coming out or a new Spider-Man movie coming out or whatever. and But at the same time, I'm also like, oh, well, I would love a, an original plot or a story uh, with a new character um, or original screenplay or whatever. But again, I, I still, in this cognitive dissonance, I'm very excited when I see, you know, my favorite character who I love and they're getting, like, a new show or movie or whatever. And while I'm also simultaneously asking for, like, a completely new IP or project. You know, it's it's weird. It's like, I want both. (laughs) But at the same time, I also understand why people are tired 
of remakes. And let's talk about the biggest culprit of this, Disney. The Little Mermaid remake came out recently, and Halle Bailey, oh, she was phenomenal. I loved her. Like, she did amazing as Ariel, obviously. But I'm not talking about, you know, the reception or, like, the not so much the quality of these films. I'm more so talking about their existence. And, you know, but like the there were other recent ones. I think Lion King, Aladdin, Mulan, those were the recent ones. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, the Jungle Book came out a long time ago. Um, what was another one? Maleficent, Cinderella. <laughs> and Snow White is coming out, um, I think, in the near future. Um, I don't know when it's coming out, but it is Snow White is definitely the next one, I think. Oh, and Lilo and Stitch and Moana, those are the next ones that are coming out. And when okay, let's talk about Moana. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. But Moana, when I saw that, that movie is not even ten years old. That movie came out in 2016. It's 2023, and they're already making a remake. When I when I saw uh, that, I was like. Okay, now it's it's a bit much. Um, it was already a bit much uh, before, but now this is like, ugh. Uh, the moment they make like a Wreck-It Ralph live action, I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. But Lilo and Stitch, one of my favorite Disney movies of all time, holds a special place in my heart. I, I just don't want to, I just don't want that getting a live action remake i i just don't think it's necessary um even with the sequels that disney is doing again toy story 5 i was like toy story 5 the fourth one didn't even need to exist and again i'm not talking about the quality of these films or the plots or you know what i personally think about them or their rotten tomato score or whatever i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like their existence as a whole um i don't know i just feel like Obviously, this is never, this is not stopping anytime soon. Let's not be, you know, naive about this. I know that this is going to, this is always like a pillar of the entertainment industry. Um, so I don't think this is like going to die out, you know, tomorrow or anything. Uh, I think it's going to live on for quite a while indefinitely. But it's still, it just makes me think, you know, like, it gets to a point where how many sequels can you make? Uh, Fast and the Furious is another one. Not Disney, a uh, different studio. But it's like, oh my goodness, Fast and Furious 10. And they just get crazier and crazier. Like in the last one, I don't. I think it was 9, I, I think. I'm not sure. It was probably 9. I watched it. They, they went to space. <laughs> and it's stuff like that when I'm just like, well, what? Why? Okay, now you're just, it's like, how did we go from point A to point B? Like, or, we're on point Z right now. But, like, how did you go from drag racing to, like, now we're in space? And we're, we got to save the world. Like, you know, like the Avengers. Like, it's crazy. I didn't see the 10th one that just came out recently. But... They said the 10th one was the last one, and then they backtracked and were like, no, the 10th one is the first of a trilogy. And it's like, you're making 10, 11, and 12. 
Like, that's... What type of... They're they're trying to, like, stretch it out. But, I don't know. I guess what I'm... I just find it very interesting. Again, because, like, I love it when, you know, like, a new Spider-Man movie comes out or whatever. But at the same time, I'm also like... It's nice to have a sprinkle of, you know original originality you know from time to time i i also it's weird too because i also like when they take established properties and they do like a new creative spin on it again it's a it's a established property but it has like a new perspective uh about it if that makes sense i don't know it's very interesting what's one remake that i watched i watched okay don't judge me I was bored, but I uh, I think it was a few months ago. I watched the Gossip Girl reboot. I've never watched the original because I was a little kid when the original came out, so I didn't really care about stuff like that. Um, I have to say it was very trashy. <laughs> I'm not really their target demographic for shows like that. I, I I'm I'm the type of person that will watch. You know, I'm trying to think of what's what's my target dem- demographic. I'm the type of person that watches Stranger Things, you know, shows like that. I don't really watch Gossip Girl um, or shows like Gossip Girl. But I was bored and I had HBO Max, so I was like, let me watch it. Um, It's very... All the characters, not very likable. But again, I'm not talking about the plots of these remakes. I'm talking about why they keep coming back and back and back. Um, but it, it, it gets to a point where a lot of people seem to think that, oh, well, you know, the entertainment industry, uh, they're sort of running, they're like running out of ideas and it's like, well, that could be one, that could be one reason. But I think the main reason again is money and, you know, it's safe and it's low risk. If that um, if that makes sense, I don't think it's sort of like, oh, we can't think of anything. I feel like they just don't want to, <laughs> which is like you know, kind of sucks. But like, it's weird because when sometimes when original properties do come out, people it's sometimes it sort of like flops, um, depending on what it is, and it fails. And then they're like, see, see, if this is proof, this is why we always do remakes and reboots and sequels. I've read, I I saw somewhere that this, again, this is something that is not a new phenomenon or something that only happens um, in this generation. This is something that's been happening for, again, years, decades. So it's something... I feel like it's a pillar of the entertainment industry. You know, it's like one of the many genres. Uh, that's why when people, same thing, you know, it reminds me of, oh, we're in a superhero fatigue. I, I don't think superhero fatigue. I just think superhero is one of the many genres, you know, like horror, comedy, drama, um, action, adventure, sci-fi, fantasy. I just think that's what it is. It's another genre. You know, remake sequels are sort of like their own pillar genre. And I feel like that's why there will always be, you know, a remake or a sequel. Because, again, it's 
it's part of you know the sphere if that makes sense um i wanted to read a couple of excerpts from websites and articles that talk more in depth about this conundrum as a whole this article I found while researching um, for this topic is from Nutbiarne Hanes and Michael Sorrell of imd.org. And I'm sorry, I butchered those names. I apologize. But they wrote, and I quote, One of the ubiquitous trends in Hollywood is the focus on pure exploitation films, sequels, remakes, and reboots, movies such as Star Wars 8, Transformers The Last Night, and The Avengers Age of Ultron. And now there's even talk of Top Gun 2. Can be considered examples of films that are based on a pure exportation strategy. These films that have established market bases and storylines, therefore production firms prosper by doing incremental development of storylines and characters in order to bring new films to the market. They continue to write in the article, The numbers behind pure exportation films are mind-boggling. For example, Iron Man 3 grows $1.2 billion, Star Wars 7 grows $2 billion, and The Avengers grows $1.4 billion. To date, 41 of the, of the 50 highest-grossing movies of all time is either a sequel, reboot, or remake. Of the 29 films that have grossed over $1 billion, 23 of them are sequels, remakes, or reboots. This year, an analysts report that seven movies could potentially break the billion-dollar mark. Beauty and the Beast, a remake, Fast and Furious 8, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Pirates of the Caribbean, the fifth film, Transformers, the fifth film, Despicable Me 3, and Star Wars 8. They continue to write, Hollywood's love for following a pure exploitation strategy can be seen in its its sky-high rising budgets. The industry is spending more and more money on sequels, and now they even have higher budgets product product and marketing than the original films from which they spawned. As an example of the way sequels used to get made, in the 1970s and 80s, the first Superman movie had a total budget of $55 million, and Superman 4 had a budget of $17 million. Fast forward to the new way of operating, and the first Fast and Furious had a budget of $38 million. The seventh and eighth installments have had a budget of over $190 million, and number nine is in the works, end quote. So yeah, obviously this article is pretty dated. Um... But it still rings true. Um, Top Gun Maverick, um, Fast X, um, which is the 10th installment in the Fast and Furious franchise, and now Transformers Rise of the Beast are all films released recently. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. Again, we're not so much talking about the quality of these films, more so their existence. Um, Disney alone has announced 14 upcoming remakes of their animated films. 14. Like, this is a pillar of the entertainment industry in its own right at this point. Like, it's gotten to the point where this is its own separate genre. There are a few movies that are coming out this year that aren't based on any established IPs. Um, Asteroid City by Wes Anderson is one, as far as I'm aware. I mean, there were films in the past where I thought it was entirely original, only to then find out that the film was an adaptation. Um... I think there's actually a lot to look forward to in regards to upcoming media. Um, I'm very optimistic when it comes to this. Um, Despite, you know, uh, the writer's strike that's currently going on, I believe that it will eventually get better, even though it doesn't seem like it at the moment. Um, There are a lot of talented and creative artists out there. I'm sure you know some. I'm sure some of you are, too. So there isn't, like, a drought 
of creative content. It's out there, and I, and I truly believe there's more on the horizon. But I've read that this cycle of remakes, reboots, and sequels isn't exactly new. Um, this appears to be something that has been happening for decades. It's like a cycle. Um, I found an article when researching for this topic. And this article is from Amanda Ann Klein and R. Burton Palmer of The Atlantic. Um, it, the, the article was adapted from Aunt Amanda Ann Klein and R. Burton Palmer's book, Cycles, Sequels, Spinoffs, Remakes, and Reboots, Multiplicities in Film and Television. Um, Amanda Ann Klein is the Associate Professor of Film Studies at East Carolina University, and R. Barton Palmer is a Professor of Literature and the Director of Film Studies at Clemson University. And the article goes into depth about um, the cycle of remakes and reboots and sequels, and it says, and I quote, To recoup their losses, studios began investing production money in fewer very expensive event pictures. This new mode of production proved problematic when these pictures failed to recover their, project, their production costs at the box office. Famous flops like Cleopatra, which released in 1963, Star, 1968, and, and Hello, Dolly, 1969, put major studios such as 20th Century Fox, Warner Brothers, and United Artists on the brink of financial ruin. After a brief flirtation with making films for urban African-American audiences, leading to the creation of the black exploitation cycle of the 1970s, studios discovered that fans would go to see movies like Jaws 1975 and Star Wars 1977 over and over, thus ushering in the era of the modern blockbuster. Ironically, it was the directors of these first blockbusters, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, who recently made headlines when they predicted disaster for the film industry. There's going to be an implosion where three or four or maybe even half a dozen mega budget movies are going to go crashing into the ground, and that's going to change the paradigm. Spielberg reportedly said at the opening of a University of, of Southern California Media Center. In these formulations, multiplicities are at least big budget tentpole films, which are almost always part of a multiplicity, threaten not simply American cinema's ability to, see, to be seen as art, but its very ability to exist. And so, as is often the case, history winds up repeating itself. Although the U.S. blockbuster didn't emerge until the 1970s, the practices of basing films on pop culture ephemia like, like popular board games and duplicating familiar story properties and characters have been common in filmmaking since its origins. In 1905, Thomas Edison released The Whole Damn Family and The Damn Dog, a film based on a popular souvenir postcard image. The movie's appeal was predicated on its ability to create a moving, breathing version of a popular postcard series featuring a humorously named family. It isn't a big leap from a successful film based on a souvenir postcard to a successful film based on a board game. The drive to exploit audience interest in comic strips, magic lantern shows, vaudeville, popular songs, and other films, and then to replicate those successful formulas over and over until they cease to make money is foundational to the origins and success of filmmaking worldwide, end quote. Um, very interesting read. You can read more of that article for yourself with the links um, that will be in the episode description. But they talk about how this is something that goes back to the earliest, the earlier days of cinema. And I want to read the last line from the article. Um, they wrote, um, and I quote, cinema has always been rooted in the idea of multiplicities that is, in texts that consciously repeat and exploit images, narratives, or characters found in previous texts, 
self-cannibalizing cycles and sequels, and even the practice of making films out of toys and board games are filmmaking strategies dating back to the industry's first decade, not a symptom of contemporary culture's inability to create anything new. End quote. And that basically sums up the root of the issue. This is not like a new phenomenon. It has its roots in early cinema. Um, Television has its own history within, within this whole thing as well. And I found, again, that last quote, that last line that I just read, really, really interesting, um, to say the least. You can, you, you, if you really think about it, this is something that is, again, that has been happening uh, many, many decades. Uh, again, back to the earliest uh, form of cinema. And I just find it really interesting how it sort of keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. Um And when you really think about it, even though this is something that is on almost everyone's mind, it still is an intriguing phenomenon that happens within the realm of pop culture. But yeah, that pretty much sums up this discussion episode of the Poplar Journal. Uh, Like I said, a very short and sweet episode, um, but I just wanted to quickly discuss the topic of remakes, reboots, and sequels. I know it's something that everyone is talking about at the moment, but I still find it interesting to dive into. Because I'm watching, you know, films recently that just came out, like The Little Mermaid, Across the Spider-Verse, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You know, all those films that are installments and remakes um, in popular franchises and IPs. So I wanted to take take a step back and really look at this um, from an analytical frame of mind and dive into the history of the entertainment industry and why we as viewers are always getting installments of franchises that have been around for years and although we love these franchises and hold them near and dear to our hearts because you know we grew up with them um and this but despite this we still crave well-made original content thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode of the popular journal this podcast is a way for me to pursue creative outlets and also gives me the opportunity to talk about things i personally find interesting while also learning new things in the process. As a reminder, I post a new episode of the Popular Journal every other Tuesday bi-weekly, so be sure to come back and see what we're discussing here on the pod. As a reminder, all the links will be available in the description of this episode. I have polls and Q&As also available for my Spotify listeners, so be sure to check those out. And if you are not on Spotify, you can still join in on the conversation. But thanks again for listening to the Popular Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Jarrell. I hope to see you next time. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.